You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, today on Gospel-Centered Rest, we're going to be talking about truth and lies, and what it means for the believer to be living a life of truth, thinking on truth, and living that truth out. And in particular, we're going to be looking at John chapter 8, which is a continuation of the sermon from this past Sunday that Pastor Byron preached, where it talks about Satan being the father of lies. And of course, in contrast, we see that Jesus being the one who embodies perfect truth and life-giving truth. So Byron, it's just you and I today um, talking about these things, but would you mind just taking a moment and kind of giving us an overview of what's going on here in this passage, John chapter 8. Uh, what, uh, who, who are those who are present for, for, for this passage? And, kind of, and some of them, maybe some of the highlights of what Jesus is talking about. All right, glad to. Jesus seems to be very much declaring or setting forth, not an agenda, but setting forth truth challenging his listeners. And it seems to be a mixed bag. There's a a general crowd there, but the Pharisees are present, and they don't like what he's saying. And you get this back-and-forth repartee happening between him and them as he makes a statement, and they challenge it, and he backs it up, and they say, well, they don't believe that, and well, what about this? And you get Mm -hmm. this back-and-forth, and it's all centered around truth, versus lies, but not just in terms of a spoken statement and its veracity, but what difference does that make in our lives? How do we live in a way? And Jesus brings it right down to who is our spiritual father? Mm -hmm. And so he lays the gauntlet down before them, and you get quite the... uh, Quite the dialogue happening between them. Yeah, and one of the things that we were talking about just a few minutes ago before before we started recording the podcast, but in verse 33, we kind of get the sense of this like selective memory of those who are there. Verse 33 says, We are descendants of Abraham. Uh, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Uh, can you explain this this selective memory here that we see? Here, here in this verse, and even for ourselves today, how we may experience this kind of selective memory when it comes to our spiritual condition, our spiritual life? Well, it's interesting because their claim, we are Abraham's descendants, simply recognizes that that's the source of the nation coming out of Abraham, God's promises to Abraham. And he kept his promises. The nation developed. They came, they are his physical descendants. But the major point in their development as a nation was 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And we have the whole uh, Moses episode and the period in the wilderness and the coming to the promised land and all these sorts of things, all are highlighted by the fact that they were slaves. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is talking about being set free. You would think the response was, yeah, that makes so much sense because we were in slavery and we were set free. 
-hmm. which is what we're supposed to take out of that. But they ignore it all. And they say, we've never been slaves to anyone. How could you possibly say we weren't? (laughs) It just seems so bizarre. You know, and that wasn't even Jesus' point. He's saying, if you hold to my teaching then you're really my disciples and you'll know the truth Mm -hmm. and the truth will set you free. And they miss the whole point. Mm -hmm. So we see that and yet we think, hmm, do we ever do anything like that ourselves? Mm -hmm. I wish I could say no. Mm -hmm. But it becomes really easy sometimes to forget what I learned or experienced along the way. To ignore what I really don't want to have to admit Mm -hmm. to just lay it aside as if it never happened. Mm -hmm. And how dare you bring that up or apply something different when you think, hmm, no, they actually know the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy for any of us just on that basic level to whitewash our own past Mm -hmm. and to forget certain things because it's uncomfortable. And yet God knows truth Mm -hmm. and Jesus knows. He does, and I love how Jesus focuses on the spiritual here, and he's focusing on their relationship with him and their relationship to the truth. And like you said, it's kind of it's it's kind of ironic that they would say that you know we're descendants of Abraham, we've never been enslaved, but but as you said, that we truly have. It kind of reminds me of where John writes in First John one verse eight that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And I think sometimes as you mature as a Christian, as a believer, you can think, okay, well, I'm going to conquer my anger or something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to defeat my anger and I'm not going to struggle with it anymore. And we almost look at there is coming a day uh, in this life where I won't struggle with that sin or I won't struggle with that. But very, we, we may very well not struggle in the same way that we did before. But we, we, that's still a part of our past, and we could still struggle with it. And most likely, we still will struggle with yeah. it on yeah. some level um, or, or another. So, so yeah, so it's very interesting, the selective memory that we can even have as, as believers and as Christians. And that's why that truth component is so important, where Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you'll know that you are my disciples. You will know the truth. And, and we're going to get into talking about this a little bit. You talked about this on Sunday. Um, but when we get to know the truth, we get into the word, and we are flooding ourselves with the truth of God's word, the truth of who he is, then we start to see um, areas of deceit in our own life and even in the lives of others and how we can avoid that. So the next, the next thing that we want to talk about a little bit was um, Abraham's descendants versus Abraham's children. And we see this in verse 39. Can you explain what this is a little bit? I think Jesus is pushing them further. They say, we are Abraham's descendants. And he's not quibbling about that. Verse 37, he says, I know that you're Abraham's descendants. There's no question that he's aware of their uh, genealogy that they're dating back, that they are physical descendants. He says, but the point here is not your physical ancestry. It's your spiritual ancestry. And so he says, if Mm -hmm. you were Abraham's children, and they have just said, how how dare you imply that we have any father other than Abraham? Abraham is our father, and, and Jesus has implied it, saying, you're doing what you heard from your father. So here you get with the back and forth. What do you mean? How dare you? And he says, if you were Abraham's children, 
then you would do what Abraham did. So that reality says your spiritual ancestry, your spiritual parenthood Mm -hmm. uh, will show by how you act. And he says, what you're doing, you're looking for a way to kill me, and here I am, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So if you claim to be Abraham's children, you should be acting as Abraham acted, in faith, pursuing God, wanting, it wasn't that he was perfect, he wasn't, but he had that outlook that he was placing his trust and striving to follow God, relying on him, not Mm -hmm. on himself and his works. So he says, a little later on, he says, you know, if if you were like Abraham, you'd love me, Mm. because that's what Abraham did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's almost, there's a connection between what we believe, what they're believing, um, their spiritual state is, and their behavior. And you had mentioned when we were talking earlier about a connection to the book of James and this verse and this kind and this kind of thought. Would you mind just explaining that just a little bit? James, some people have really denigrated James mm-hmm. and said, ah, he doesn't really have his theology straight. That doesn't hold the water as far as I'm concerned. James basically challenges people to say, you better make sure your belief goes beyond your lips. You know, that it's not just words of what you claim to believe. It's your deeds, your works that show what you believe. So there's this fascinating back and forth here where Jesus is saying, you're doing the works of your father. What they do, these actions, these deeds, these thoughts, are actually displaying what spiritual family they're part of, regardless of their claim. And James basically says, yeah, forget talking about it. I'll show you what I believe by my works, by my deeds, and they will prove that my faith is actually alive. Otherwise, it's more like a dead tree, Mm -hmm. because if it doesn't bear fruit, there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. Now, I love the contrast, too, that's in this passage between the brokenness of the sinful of the sinful person, which which really is us, yep. and and Jesus, whom in verse twenty nine of, of of chapter eight, where it says, "The one who sent me is with me; he has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him." And such a difference between us and between Jesus, we can't say that we can't say that we always do what pleases the Father, yep. but Jesus can. And we need Jesus to do that on our behalf, to stand in our place, to to, uh, take on our sin. So there's a special uniqueness here of of who Jesus is because he always does what pleases the Father. He's so different from us. Uh, Would you add anything to that? (laughs) It's just he's on such a different level. eh? Yeah. He's one with the Father. They're always in sync. What he mm-hmm. says is not just true, but it's, you know, it's exactly what the Father wants him to say. And how often he, he says that in different ways in John. You, know, you want to see the Father? Watch me. You want to hear what the Father thinks? Listen to me. You know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things that are so far beyond what, well, what we would even like to be. Mm-hmm. And he's there. 
that source of truth, that always pleasing God, the one that, well, he says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Hmm. Go ahead, wide open. Uh, Have I ever done anything that was anything less than perfection? And they didn't. They couldn't come up with anything. It's such a stunning, it's like putting it in negative, Mm -hmm. a reversal. He is perfection and truth and love and grace in the person Mm -hmm. standing right in front of them. And yet they're quibbling with him and arguing and trying to insist on their own truth, quote, quote, Mm -hmm. But yet the answer was right in front of them, like physically, like uh, such a such a powerful moment here in, in the Gospel of John. Now, we can read a passage like this and be reminded that sometimes there is a disconnect between what we know and what we say we believe and how we live and how we behave and our obedience. Um, we can know things, but God wants more than knowledge he wants us to obey the things that we know, to follow the things that we know, to take hold of, grasp the things we know. I'm reminded of Colossians chapter 1. Paul is praying for the Colossians, and he's saying that he is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he just doesn't leave it there. It's not just about knowledge, but so that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that they may have great endurance, patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's enabled you to share in the inheritance um, in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So you get this whole this whole picture of what we know needs to be put into action. Now, how do we see that play out here in this passage um, and in particular when it comes to verse 55 of John chapter 8. I'm thinking it's the continuation. They're still trying to defend themselves in one sense and put him down. Mm-hmm. No, you must be crazy. You're, you're demon-possessed. Abraham didn't know you. Are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus comes back to, well, you know, if I was just trying to do this on my own, if I was just trying to make myself look good, that, that's not the point. But you have to understand, I've been sent by God. I've got a job that he gave me to do. I am not seeking to glorify myself. He's glorifying me. And you can go ahead and say that I don't know him, that you really are the ones who know God. But he's already had this discussion back and forth of, well, who's acting the way God's people act? Mm -hmm. And he says, I do know him. And if I said I didn't, I would be a liar like you. Because there's already that established fact that as he's pointing out to them, really, you say God's your father, but the devil's actually your father and you're a liar just like him. And you're following his path not God or Abraham's path. Mm-hmm. He says, if I denied it, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Mm-hmm. And your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You know, looking forward to the promised one coming. He says, I know him, but it's not just this intellectual knowledge. And that's so easy, I think, for any of us. Yeah. Sometimes we fall prey for long, long times. We're just 
piling up knowledge and learning more? And is another Bible study what we really need at point A or point Z, Mm -hmm. wherever it is along the way? Is that what we need right now? It never hurts to understand, to grow in our knowledge of God's Word, but the point is that we would live it. Mm -hmm. The point is, what are we doing with it? How is it changing our responses when trouble strikes? How is it changing how we choose to act when somebody sins against us? You know, how does it change our attitude, whether it's toward politics or or health, or Mm -hmm. family issues, it's got to make contact where the rubber meets the road. You know, Mm -hmm. what difference? And Jesus is saying, I know God, and I obey him. I do something. You mentioned earlier in uh, one of Philippians, sorry, one of Paul's letters, the one Mm -hmm. to Philippians, when we were talking this morning, that whole idea of, what are you thinking about? What do you focus on? And Jesus here is talking about truth and how he's truth, and the word is truth. And Paul says, think on the things that are good. Think of things that are profitable, that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. Think on these things. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say, and put it into practice, what you've heard from me and seen in me. You know, this sort of thing, he lived it out. And he says, do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such an important message, I think, for the church today is that we take the truth that we hear and that we know and we put it into practice. I remember one of our professors would always say, I'm not so worried about the things I don't know. I'm worried about the things that I do know, but I'm not doing. Okay. The things I, I do know and that I'm I'm refusing to you know, give over to the Lord, whether it may be um, blatant or whatever it is, but... Um, but yeah, it, it's a complete different perspective on on the whole intellectual, and the intellectual needs to needs to lead into the experiential, into our experience with the Lord, into our obedience, that experience of obedience um, from what we understand and we know in the intellectual. And as our affections are stirred for Christ and our affections are stirred for the Lord um, through the knowledge, through the understanding, through the wisdom, then that should change the way that we live our life. And we see this pattern right throughout scripture, (laughs) like every book points to this pattern and you can easily sit down with any one of the epistles and read it. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it in Philippians where Paul focuses on the intellectual and brings it into the experiential. You're going to see it in in Colossians. You're going to see it in Galatians. You're going to see it in first Peter, second Peter. It's all throughout scripture. And Jesus is, it, Jesus is trying to explain that here in, in, in John chapter 8. I am truth. Uh, I'm the one who's come to set you free. Um, I'm the one who, who has come to, to be that perfect person that you couldn't be, to be the one that can stand before the Father and be your advocate. Um, I'm, I've come to deal with sin. Now, do you believe that? And if you believe that, your life should look like you actually do believe that. And if you think about it, there is like the irony there. Like these should be the people that have been waiting for him, that should have at this point seen him and just acknowledged, wow, this is the Messiah. This is the guy. And and we do see some people in this passage, they do. um, They do believe in him and their lives do change. Uh, But I love that this whole idea of 
Christ being the truth, us understanding who he is as the truth, it's not a burdensome relationship. And we think of sometimes obedience as like this burden, like, oh, this like this like drudgery. But Jesus is willfully obeying the Father out, yeah. of, out of love. Yeah, it's not a chore. And out of grace. It's not a chore. It's out of affection for the Father. Um, it's out of complete submission to the Father. And he's explaining that here to us too. The, the thing I think that strikes is Jesus says, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Well, would we rather be enslaved or would we rather be free? Yeah. Uh, and that potential of freedom from lies and being taken out from the darkness and the destruction there and just knowing God has brought us into his family. He's given us his spirit. It's not like we have to psych ourselves up because mm-hmm. work as we will, we're going to fail. We're not going to be perfect. But we've got this hope. We've got this reality mm-hmm. that says no i know god and he loves me and and i want to obey him mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a it's a relationship there yeah. so we encourage you and we encourage one another to do the same but get into the truth of the word and allow it to transform you and change you and even spend some time just asking god will you fill me with your with your with the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding that I may walk worthy of you uh, after my calling as you have called me to walk in complete affection and love and obedience to you and there is rest in that yeah. like you said he's come to set the captives free it's not burdensome there's rest in the truth. Yep. So, Celebration. So thank you so much, Byron, for uh, for bringing our attention to this passage. Oh, thank you. Themes.